Today's reading is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Jesus is tested in the wilderness. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, having looked at the baptism of Jesus last week in Matthew 3, um, I was really keen to continue with Matthew 4 this Sunday because the baptism of Jesus leads straight into uh, the temptations. You know, immediately after his baptism, this is Matthew 4 verse 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And it's really interesting, Father God publicly declared Jesus' identity in Matthew chapter 3. And immediately, both his identity and his destiny come under attack. And this is so often the way for us too. The Lord gives us a precious gift. And Satan immediately tries to undermine, diminish and tarnish it. But the good news is that it is possible for us, like Jesus, to triumph in temptation. But if we want to be victorious, there are a few practical disciplines that we can build into our lives that will really help. So this morning, we're going to look at being prepared, stewarding our thought life and keeping in relationship. But before we uh, look at these things, I want to think, first of all, about how temptation works. Uh, I love this picture. I don't know if you've come across uh, Charlie Mackesy's book. It was published just before Christmas. Um, and the um, horse, the mole, and the fox, or those animals in one order or another. And uh, this, is, this is one of the, um, the cartoons from the book. Uh, the mole, you will discover, is a serious lover of cake um, and um, uh, seems to manage to give in to temptation quite well. Um, <laughs> And uh, whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not, we are involved in a spiritual battle. And in this battle, we have an enemy. And Satan simply means the adversary. But God and the devil are not equal opposites. Satan is a created being. He's the opposite of the archangel Michael, not God. He is no competition for God. And when we see Satan on the last day, we will say, you're kidding, it was you? 
You know, the Bible describes Satan as the father of lies and lies are his chief weapon. And the lies of the enemy have no power in themselves. It is our agreement with them that makes them powerful. And we see two key areas in the Bible in which Satan wants to deceive us. Uh, In Genesis chapter 3, Satan lies to the woman in the Garden of Eden. He lies to Eve. He says to her, did God really say? And then he totally misrepresents what God did actually say because he wants her to doubt who God is, his goodness, his word and his provision for her and Adam. Then here in Matthew chapter four, verse three, Satan comes to tempt Jesus. This is verse two of chapter four. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. I love that. I just, I, there are a few passages in the Bible which are just such a significant understatement. You know, I think if you haven't uh, eaten for 40 days, and I think I'd be just wanting to eat my arm. But anyway, Jesus was hungry. And um, the tempter came to Jesus and said to him, if you are the son of God. Now, if you were here last week, I'd love you to cast your mind back um, because last week in Matthew chapter three, Father God declared that Jesus was his beloved son. This is Matthew three seventeen. The father declares this. This is my son whom I love with him. I'm well pleased. Now, this is Father God says, this is my son. Okay, skip on about four verses. Satan starts the temptations by saying, if you are the son of God. And he repeats it in the second temptation, if you are the son of God. And he wants Jesus to doubt his identity as the son of God, to believe a lie about who he is and what he is called to do. And Satan works in exactly the same way with us. Doubt is always the starting point for temptation. And Satan wants us to doubt who God is, his nature and his goodness. And he wants us to doubt who we are in Christ. And if he can convince us of these things, we're much less likely to resist and triumph in the face of temptation. So I would like to ask you this morning, do you know who God is? They're not just here, but here. Do you know who you are? Not just here, but here. Because if we give in to temptation, sin is serious and it has serious consequences. And the Lord asks us not to do things that he knows will either harm us or other people, directly or indirectly, immediately or ultimately. But temptation itself is not sin. Everybody's tempted. Jesus was tempted. And the way the devil works is to put a thought in our mind that if we act on, will lead us into sin. But Satan doesn't stop there. He doesn't want justice to do one thing wrong. Uh, He wants to make us slaves to sin. And if we give in once, he will try and build a pattern of giving in. And the tragedy is Satan tricks us into giving up things of real value to get more of what we so urgently desire. And it's only when we've given up these good things that we find that all the devil has promised us turns to dust in our hands and we find that we're left with nothing. And temptation can be incredibly subtle. 
Uh, our family uh, choice of birthday cake, certainly for me and the children, is a particularly delicious uh, rice crispy toffee cake. Uh, it is full of sugar. Uh, you definitely you get a serious uh, sugar rush from it. And uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when it comes uh, to cake that you really like, you know, just imagine yourself that the cake of your dreams is there and you notice that it isn't quite rectangular on one edge. And you feel that it just needs a little bit of neatening up. So you take off a thin slice and, and you eat it. Uh, and then you notice that actually, but now you have made the other side isn't quite parallel. So you think, well, if I just sort of neaten up the other side, you know, it'll be brilliant. And then you notice that the two edges are not perpendicular, and it'd be much better if all the edges looked the same. So you cut the other two edges as well. And by this time, by the time you finish tidying up the cake, you feel that it's so reduced in size, it would just be kinder to finish the whole thing rather than give the next person half a slice. You know, when you started, you were not planning to eat the whole cake. And often that's what happens with our lives. We think we're just doing something once, but it leads to a pattern. And before we know it, we end up being somewhere where we don't want to be. Uh, I had a, a little rhyme that, you know, if you sow a thought, you reap an action. If you sow an action, you reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap a lifestyle. And we have to be careful of the thoughts that we sow in our lives. But it doesn't have to be that way. Our God is absolutely good. He's absolutely loving. And he wants us to win so much that he gave his son Jesus to die in my place, in your place, so that we can be made like him. He has made us precious sons and daughters of God. And we're not fighting for the defeat of the enemy. He has already been defeated on the cross. We fight from the victory of Christ on the cross towards victory here on earth. And that's what happens when we're being tempted. We fight from the victory Jesus has already won on the cross for us to win victory here on earth. And um, if you feel um, that you are, are caught in a, a pattern uh, of losing that battle, this morning I want to release hope in Jesus' name. I want to release the victory of Jesus Christ on the cross into our lives today. That there is hope. Because in the, fa in the face of Satan's attacks, we are not left defenceless. But the most dangerous war is the war that we don't know that we're fighting. We can easily pass tests when we know that they're coming. The trouble is when we're not prepared. So the first thing I want to think about this morning is about being prepared. I, I don't know why I chose an earthquake kit to illustrate this. It just, you know, people put preparation into surviving earthquakes. And I, I think we need to take uh, the same trouble and preparation. You know, there's a certain amount of just general common sense preparation that may not seem directly related, but will really help when we are tempted. Now, if you're anything like me, you will find times in life that are easier and times of life uh, when things are harder. Um, and, um, you know, completely understand that. But as much as possible, it is good to try and be healthy. And this will really help us, physically healthy, 
eating healthily and exercising regularly, keeping fit, mentally healthy, putting good, wholesome things into our minds, spiritually healthy, reading the Bible and praying each day. Now, I know that may not be terribly helpful. You know, in effect, I'm saying, you know, if you get everything sorted out in your life, then it will be easier to resist temptation. I know kind of this is circular, but you've kind of sort of got to start unpicking it somewhere. Another key part of our preparation to resist temptation is actually to keep on top of the stuff in our lives. Because as we go through life, we get hurt. And much of this hurt is caused in childhood, but we accumulate more in adult life, both as things happen to us and in the poor choices that we make. And this hurt builds up in us at different rates, um, um, dependent on our natural resilience. But if we do not keep on top of processing our internal pain, it leads to a comfort deficit in our hearts. And a lot of sin is about getting comfort, uh, whether it's alcohol or sex or food or tobacco, whether it's box sets on TV, all these things can be used to help dull the pain in our hearts. And they work. (laughs) That's why we use them. They work to make the pain less. But they come with a cost. And Father God wants to heal our hearts. Holy Spirit wants to give us his comfort. And if you know that you use something to get comfort and you want to stop, I'd encourage you to pursue healing because it may be that what you're trying to do is to fill a deficit of comfort in your heart. I think, you know, go and get a, a Sozo, Bethel Sozo from Winchester Vineyard. Go to LL Ministries, go on a course or have a personal session with them. Do a Freedom in Christ course. Allow the Lord to meet you and to heal the things that need healing in your heart. And then build a pattern in your life to get Holy Spirit comfort in instead. You know, it's not instead that, that, that we, I'm saying, you know, you need to give up the things that are helping uh, make your life work. What I'm saying is actually, if we get the comfort of the Holy Spirit in, we can get his love and his comfort in to the extent that those things are not actually things that we need. Soak in the Holy Spirit, either in silence or with worship music on. Turn the affection of of your heart towards him and allow him to minister to your heart, to give you his comfort. Because these things are all things that we can do to prepare to stand firm in the face of temptation. Be healthy, deal with your stuff. So that's the first thing. Then secondly, steward your thought life. Because in temptation, the enemy targets our minds and he uses thoughts that are not consistent with the goodness and love of God in our lives to keep us from honoring and following in God and to kill, steal and destroy. And this is because our internal realities determine our external realities. So much of the way we see the world is determined by what goes on between our ears. And when we allow our minds to dwell on and to feed on things that are contrary to the Lord's word over us, these thoughts and ideas war against us and must be ruthlessly dealt with. And the moment we believe one of Satan's lies, we create a stronghold in our mind which comes against the purposes of God in our lives. And it's really interesting. How does Jesus respond when Satan tries to do this with him? Tell these stones to become bread, Satan says. 
Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God is Jesus' reply. Throw yourself down is Satan's temptation. Do not put the Lord your God to the test is Jesus' reply. All this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me, says Satan. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Every time Jesus deals with the temptations by turning to truth. And we need to learn to steward our thought lives, to get as much truth in as possible and to use God's truth to stand against temptation. And the Bible is a key source of truth. It shapes how we think about God, about ourselves and about one another. And I think it's really interesting. Every quotation that Jesus uses to refute Satan is from the book of Deuteronomy. Now, I think that most people, for most people, Deuteronomy probably is not your go to book. You know, and if you have a list of you know promises from God, whatever it is, you know Deuteronomy passages from Deuteronomy will probably not feature very frequently on that list. And but truth in Scripture um, is a key thing to turn to. But it's not simply about having knowledge of what is written. There needs to be an accompanying personal revelation to us. It's not enough simply to know the words. Because the scriptures testify about Jesus. And if we want truth to defeat temptation, we have to come to Jesus through the words. The word of God leads to an encounter with Jesus, the word of God. Uh, this week we, we do um, at breakfast, I, I bought these things and uh, put them in the children's stocking. They're called sort of Bible dippers. And um, I was just trying to make doing some sort of family devotion slightly more fun. And there's basically a little thing and you pick out these cards and there's a Bible, little short passage on and uh, some questions to answer and then a prayer. And uh, so we do that um, at breakfast. And um, we, we had quite fun this week because um, one of them, uh, we're doing we're Bible dippers. The, the one we're doing at the moment is on, um, on the identity of God. And uh, this one was, uh, one of them was about Jesus and reading the passage. And um, we just had a bit of a laugh because um, I, I felt the necessity, I, I was reading it that day, you know, to say a word with a capital W. And I think we were reading the, the first bit of John. And um, it just struck me looking at this, you know, the word of God with a little W um, leads us into encounter with the word of God with a big W. And it's not enough to stop with the little W word. The Bible leads us into an encounter with God. We need to meet the word with a capital W through the word with a little W. And without an encounter with the person of Jesus, the process of getting truth in us from Scripture is incomplete. And as we read, we need to pray and listen to the Lord. Now, I don't have to go into it now. I'm afraid I think I'm probably already going to overrun. Um, but another key to getting truth in us is to hold on and to press into the prophetic words that God has spoken over you. And you can use those prophetic words to war for your destiny. Suffice to say that the key battleground in spiritual warfare is the mind. And it's not strength or discipline that wins, but alignment with the Father. Trying hard in the face of temptation is important, but it's only one aspect. The key is that we're aligned with Father God, that we have his truth in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives. Be prepared, steward your thought life, and finally, keep in relationship.
Because one of Satan's key objectives in leading us into sin is to separate and isolate us. And sin damages our relationships with God and with those who are closest to us. And the Father loves you so much that Jesus died to make restoration of relationship possible. And this is really important. God does not do guilt and shame. Our God does not do guilt and shame. You cannot guilt people into purity. And our Father in heaven will lovingly and gently convict us of specific things so that we can turn around, we can repent and come in to his freedom. And uh, this is true of the one-off things that we do, but it's also uh, true of things that we struggle with in the longer term. Now, I would like to do a, a quick straw poll and I was wondering uh, how best to do this. Uh, and I think having thought about various options, I think the simplest is probably the best. So I would like to ask you a question. I'm going to give you a moment to think about it. If you look back over your life, would you say that there is an area or areas which are a recurring issue for you? Now, I'm not going to, I don't want you to say what it is, but I think it would, might just help us to know um, so if that's you, if you, you may not be with something that you're struggling with at the moment, but if there is an area that over the course of your life has been something you've had to struggle with on more than one occasion, would you mind just sticking up your hand now? So I think if you look around, you will see that the vast majority of us have things in our lives that it's not just, oops, we made a mistake and we sorted it out, but things uh, that we wrestle with over a long period of time. And um, my thinking on repetitive patterns of sin, and please disagree with me on this. Um, I, I'm kind of uh, sort of been trying to sort of think this through. I think this is um, biblical and Christian, um, but, you know, I, I'll put it out there and um, we can hopefully have a discussion about it. Um, if we're struggling and have to ask for forgiveness about the same issue again and again, it can be really discouraging for us as Christians. And I think the key here before God is our heart attitude. The Lord knows the difference between people who are set on going their own way and those who have brought their whole lives under his authority, but who have ongoing struggles in a particular area. And if we are genuinely pursuing a sinless life, then I think there is grace as long as we're not trying to keep that area out of our lives, outside the reach of his grace. And we keep short accounts in repenting when we fail. Because what Satan wants is us to withdraw from God in shame. But the Father longs for us to enjoy his love, walking in a relationship of love with our creator as we keep in relationship with him through our struggles. And so my encouragement is, I guess, to you if you feel in that situation, is to keep going, keep persevering. And Satan's agenda of isolation is not just towards God, but he wants to isolate us from one another as well. And when we're struggling, we need each other. But these are the times when often we're least likely to seek help. Uh, another one of um, uh, Charlie Mackersy's, uh, one of the cartoons in that same book is um, something, I can't remember exactly what it says, but it's something about, um, you know, what's the most courageous thing you've ever done? And the answer is asking for help. And sometimes asking for help is the most courageous thing that we do. So I would love to encourage each of us 
and to meet regularly with other Christians. You know, join a life group if you're not in one already. Have some kind of other accountability group where you can be supported and encouraged and where you can support and encourage one another. And in these groups, I would encourage us to be open and honest with one another. However, if we're to do that, we do need to treat um, each other's honesty and openness with care and compassion, with appropriate confidentiality and without judgment. Because none of us was designed to get to heaven by ourselves. We're meant to get to heaven together. Our salvation is something that happens in a moment and is worked out over a lifetime. And the total transformation of our lives, inner and outer, into the likeness of Christ is not yet complete. And we will still have old tendencies to think and act in independence from God. But when we are born again in Christ, our identity is truly changed. We are made children of God and Holy Spirit dwells within us at the center of our being. And we can triumph over temptation. That last verse that was read to us this morning, then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. And if we stand up in the face of temptation, Satan will leave us. Angels will come and attend us. And at the Last Supper, Jesus knew that Peter would fall in temptation. Notwithstanding, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus gave Peter what he needed not to fall. He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Watch, be alert, be prepared, steward your thought life. Pray, keep in relationship, keep connected to Father God. And the enemy wants to bring us into bondage. The Lord, um, however, wants to raise up an army of people who can say like Jesus did, Satan has nothing on me. So let us keep fighting and press in for the day when we will be totally remade in Jesus, when we will be completely like him. And in the meantime, let's stand in relationship with the Lord. Let's stand in relationship with one another, encouraging each other on, pressing in to stand in the face of temptation. And it may be that some of the things that I've said today have raised questions for you. And I have been um, really... Um, one of the guys he's uh, preaching I love is a guy called um, Bruxy Cavey, and uh, he teaches at Refuel, which is our sort of uh, the filling station uh, sort of summer family conference up in the highlands of Scotland. Um, and um, one of the things he always does is say, that, you know, the trouble with sermons is they're a monologue, um, and it'd be great to do a little bit more dialogue. And so he always uh, finishes his sermons with um, sort of Q&A time um, as a way of, you know, not me just telling you what I think the importance 
are, but giving you a chance to come back with uh, some of the things that you think are important. Um, and um, I was hoping to do a bit of that this morning, but it's 11.31 already and we still have communion to do. I mean, do, um, does anyone have a completely urgent, did, did anything w- would make all the difference of you if you could ask me one question? And uh, does anyone have a question of that sort of level of urgency? Great. Um, <laughs> and, and if there are questions, and, and, and I do think genuine, gen, genuinely, generally, it, it is good to move more um, in the direction of, of, of dialogue. So if there are follow-up questions that you would like to ask, maybe not in such a public environment, um, but um, uh, do, you know, do come and speak to me. Uh, drop me an email and... Um, uh, Bruxy very kindly uh, just does most of it online, so there's a whole whole discussion start up, which maybe we ought to think about uh, having some kind of Emmanuel post sermon blog or something. I, I don't know. Um, brilliant. Well, before we come to communion, I'm just going to pray. I think there are two things in particular that the Lord wants to do this morning. I think for anyone here who you're struggling in an area of your life at the moment, you're struggling with temptation and not feeling you're winning, uh, the Lord wants to release hope to you today. He wants to release his truth into your heart. And uh, as we come to communion, um, it's an invitation to come back into his presence, into relationship with him. And actually for there to be a supernatural impartation into your life. And so I'd encourage you to come expecting that the Lord will bring freedom to you this morning. That he will be releasing heavenly resources to you this morning. And the other thing I think the Lord wants to do is he wants to show us if there are any area of our lives where we're not in alignment with his truth. And if that's you... um, Maybe as you're waiting to come up to communion, you might want to say to the Lord, okay, Lord, is there anything I believe about you? Is there anything I believe about myself which is not true and which is compromising my ability to stand firm in temptation? And what you will find is something will just pop into, even before you've had a chance to think, really, you may well find that something just pops into your mind. And if it does, uh, then just say, Father God, I give you the lie and just tell him what the lie is and say, what truth do you give me in exchange? And he will reveal to you the truth that he wants you to stand on and that will enable you to stand firm in that area in the face of temptation. Now, I'm not going to go through that with you now, but I would really encourage you to do that um, while we're waiting for communion. Just say, okay, Lord, are there any lies 
that I believe. Say, Father, I give you the lie. What truth do you give me in exchange? And then we can stand, we can steward our thought life by getting that truth as the place where we stand firm in him. But as I said, um, it's not only about um, standing firm, it's not only about uh, in our relationship with God, it's in our relationship with one another as well. And um, as a sign of that, um, we're actually going to share the peace together before we come to communion, uh, which is an opportunity for us um, you know, to, I guess, make a commitment to our relationship together to greet one another. So may we stand together. And I'm going to say the peace of the Lord be always with you. And if you could respond and also with you. Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And please do share a sign of peace with those around you.